Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, the day is Tuesday. The time is 2.14pm. <laughs> I'm Murray. This is Mitch. Welcome to Banter. Wow. Thanks, Murray. What an introduction. Well, you know, you got to keep it fresh. you got to <laughs> keep it spicy. How uh, you doing, man? How was your Father's Day on the uh, weekend? Yeah, oh, as I shared in church, you know, we greeted projectile vomit. Yeah. <laughs> all over our bed Strong start. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's all right. She's all good now. How did it eventuate after church? Uh, yeah, she was fine. Yeah. She just recovered. Pretty funny, after she finished vomiting at about 5.36 in the morning, and she's like, I want breakfast. I was like, dude, you're not having breakfast? No way. <laughs> so, obviously, she got out, and she's like, I'm good now. Yeah, yeah, ready yeah. To, ready, ready for action. Yeah, so. that's fair. I, I, I get that. You know, yeah. have an empty stomach, got to fill it back yeah. up again. So, <laughs> so, so we good. just took it easy. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. No, I, as I was leaving... Hazel is waving to me. She's like, I'm going to watch TV now. I was like, it sounds like a great afternoon. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> not much you. is better than just when you feel a little bit sick still. So you mm. totally justify. You're like, oh, I would do something, but it's yeah. just best if I just sit and watch TV. Yeah. So I'm being responsible right now. Yeah. <laughs> by That's watching true. TV. But this year was your first official Father's Indeed. Day. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The official one. Um, so Emma was pregnant last year, but I feel like, yeah, it's kind of feels a bit weird having like a Father's Day when you've just got a pregnant partner. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nice. My dad came over. We had some chicken pie. We actually took George down the park uh, at our new place and... We were like on the swings, having a great time. On the slide, having a great time. And like my dad and I were like both like playing with him and stuff. And then I can't even, I don't know the name of it, but you know those sort of large discs that are sort of the size of like this small coffee table that we're on? Mm. And you can like run on them and they Mm -hmm. spin faster and faster and faster. So that would be a great idea to like sit (laughs) with George on that, um, back facing outward. So not considering like Mm. centrifugal force at all. And my dad just like threw it so hard. I almost fell off and like, we were like spinning so quickly that I think like once we did stop, George's eyes were like actually like spinning. (laughs) I was like, oh dude, I was like, I think that's the first time he's ever felt dizzy before. (laughs) So it took him a like solid couple of minutes to be like, I think like equally my dad and I felt like awful dads and grandparents. So it was great. It was a great afternoon of guilt and joy. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's definitely a funny thing when you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that you've probably never been dizzy before. Yeah, he's only eight months old. Yeah, it's like a new sensation for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Is that, what's the sort of like most recent thing that either Asha or Hazel have like experienced for the first time? Oh, that's a good question. I Because um, they've kind of done everything. Yeah. You would with a kid. Yeah, yeah, their yeah. their age. Yeah. Uh, I still remember the first time we took Asha swimming. Yeah. It went blue within like 30 seconds. Oh, buddy. Because he was, oh, he would have been three years ago, so he would have been like pretty small still. Yeah. Remember that when we took a photo and basically got out of the pool because <laughs> his little heart couldn't tolerate cold oh, water. No. So, yeah, we have this like photo of us as a family. Selfie. Then we jump in the pool. He looks like he a kind smurf. of splashes, <laughs> turns blue, starts crying. We're like, oh, let's get him out. Oh, buddy. But Hazel he- enjoyed her first swim. That's good. That's good. Is yeah. is Asher still like cool? Is he cool now with swimming, or is it still? Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. Um, now that his heart's better, yeah, he can yeah, 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 
yeah, we yeah. get to buy him a wetsuit for the middle of summer. Yeah, the beach. Yes, yes, yes. So like, good. Yeah, so he can last. Yeah, when we were at the at Nelson Bay, it must have been twenty twenty. Yeah, he would last like five or ten minutes and just yeah. be blue, shivering. God, but I want more, like, dude. You're like blue, man. You gotta get, get you out. Catch you hypothermia. Up. Yeah, and then we got the wedding. He could last about fifteen. And, but yeah. now, but now with the wedding on and his new heart. It's all good. It's all good. Go a bit longer. Yeah. So good. That's right. awesome. Well, I um, I really enjoyed Sunday. Not that I should sound surprised. I, I had mm. very high expectations of our uh, three dads or two dads and dad to be kind of thing. Mm. Um, I um had yeah, just I, I loved a lot of the things which kind of came out of their reflections. But um, I think one thing for me which I really loved was um this idea of I think like mentoring and discipleship coming out of, you know, kind of all of their sermons in different ways. Sorry, guys, just got some drilling upstairs. <laughs> yeah. We'll just, hopefully we don't have any more of that. We've got some people working in the roof, some elves in the roof. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love this idea of, um, I, I think Cole was talking about how his dad has been discipling the same, some of the same guys for like 20 years. And that this might be an issue. We are very sorry for <laughs> listeners right now. But uh, we'll just we'll push through and we'll see yeah, how it we'll goes. See how anyway. the, you know, the if he's uh, down here downstairs, it'd be all right. Yeah, you know, take 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 a sip of tea every time you hear the drill. Um, so twenty years of discipleship for some of the people he's mm. been investing in, and I suppose just the value that we can all have, whether you know mother figures or father figures, in investing mm. in those people. Uh, that was a really good encouragement yeah. for me. But what what was sort of something that stood out for you and? <laughs> Thank you. Hearing Brad's reflection, because losing his dad yeah. and his grandfather around the same time. So, like, didn't have that dad figure, but recognising that, um, yeah, that there are other dads around. And the quote that you have from him is, just as we never stop being dads, neither does he. Mm. That's i.e. Jesus. And so I think that was, I think that resonated with me, the mm. idea. Yeah, that, because I've still got, I still have my dad around, and mm. but I recognise a lot of people didn't have that, and so I think that's what's important about the church community is yeah. for there to be dad-like figures and it's good. mother figures and uncle figures and art figures, and not just yeah. that sort of yeah. We need that totally. in the body, and to yeah. have those models for us if we didn't get that yeah. in the home. I think we we talk about it a lot, you know, and I I think it does require a level of vulnerability on both sides mm. of both the person saying, Hey, like, you know, e- even if it's non-official, like if it's sort of an organic relationship that you just start to invest more in, mm. in a church context, um, I suppose like on both sides, there is, um, the chance for rejection mm. for lack of a better yeah. word for the chances that, you know, for someone to overreach and it not necessarily be reciprocated. Mm. I think like that's sort of um, yeah the, the the culture that I want to continue to be encouraging, to be able to be a safe place where people can be mm. vulnerable mm. and really go like hey like will you invest in me or mm. hey like can I invest in you yeah. in a deeper way? Yeah, um, yeah. It was um, it wasn't dads or really discipleship, but when I was involved with Max Potential. Which was started by Des Ong. I don't know if mm. you've come across him. He's a Christian sort of. Mm. I think yeah. he's a pastor, but anyway. But he's a Christian Des Ong, and he started this program called Max Potential to help Year Eleven students find mm. their potential. And mm. they use a principle called maximizers, and um, mm. it's based off the Bible, but they kind of don't push the Bible. If that makes sense. Mm. So, yeah, it was interesting. A lot of the coaches were like older people. Mm. Uh, at the time, I was like, how are they going to connect with the teenagers? Actually, they 
did yeah. really well. A lot of these teams are actually looking for like yeah. an older retiree, yeah. either be male or female, yeah. to really help them. And yeah. in some ways it was better than, because I thought, oh, being 30 have more in common. But actually it was the older ones that they seemed to gravitate more. Yeah. They're looking for that real wisdom, like someone who's lived their life. Yeah. And even if they've finished their career. Mm. So yeah. sometimes young people are looking for that yeah, yeah, yeah. sense of wisdom really and good. maturity. I, yeah, yeah, I think there's like great value in having older brothers and sisters in Christ for sure. But yeah, I think that we can, I, I think as a modern church, be a bit guilty of placing too much emphasis on the value of those relationships of someone who's mm. five years older than yep. you, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and exactly, like, uh, there's so many people, you know, as Brad himself shared, and, and other people in our church community who really value having people to, yeah, step into those positions of, of influence in their lives. Mm. It's really, really cool. Um, so you um, have sort of provided some awesome questions for us in the Bible study uh, questions this week. Uh, and yeah, I kind of would love to sort of check those out for a little bit because mm. I think that it is sort of a, yeah, a really, really great question to start off. Like, how has your view of earthly fathers helped or hurt your view of God as father? Mm. Yeah. Um, so for me, I have a very good dad. Mm. Shout out to my dad. Yes. wasn't perfect, but like, <laughs> yeah, compared to a lot of dads that mm. I knew growing up, very, very good. Like. Yeah, good Christian role model, was always very dependable, yeah. worked very long hours, but when he wasn't working, always gave like gave up his weekends to, you know, either umpire or coach cricket. Yeah. And, you know, was there with my sisters for netball. So invested a lot. Mm. And so for me, I didn't find, like, the word father triggering like some people yeah. do. So I think for me it hasn't... It's given me a snapshot of what... Mm. God the Father is like. So for yeah. me, I have a very positive experience. But That's great. I know, um, Francis Chan, the famous yeah. preacher, like, he had a pretty bad relationship with his dad, and he said it took him years. Mm. He's quite he's quite candid about it in one of his sermons yeah. about how it really was difficult for him mm. to understand God as Father. Mm. So, how about yourself, Murray? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I likewise, I have an awesome dad. Um, I think probably um, two things like, yeah, um, I hope I can be as good of a dad as, as mm. he has been uh, and is. Um, but I, yeah, I think have taken on some of his characteristics in the past and subconsciously sort of projected them onto God the Father. Mm. So I think one of those things was, uh, yeah, my parents got divorced when I was about 10 years old. So he was very present. He literally cared for us 50% of the time. Mm. Um, but I think that subconsciously informed how I understood almost like the omnipresence of God a little bit. That mm. sometimes, not not that it would be fair to call my dad an absent father because mm -hmm. he was always available. Um, but I think that can subconsciously sort of start to affect is God always, in inverted commas, there for mm. you almost. Um mm. I think the other thing about my dad is he's a massive softy. <laughs> so my mum was very much the disciplinarian growing up. Um, and what that meant was sometimes my dad wouldn't always, um, I don't know, uh, for, um, wouldn't always act out, I suppose, if that's the right word, mm. on punishments that he had threatened, if that makes <laughs> Classic sense. Classic dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that um, sometimes 
can undermine their authority a bit mm-hmm. and undermine the fear that you have for them. And sometimes you end up being more of a friend than a disciplinarian in mm-hmm. a way. So I think that in a way also affected my fear of God a little mm-hmm. bit in the way that, yeah, sure, like God, you know, hates sin or God will, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, maybe not taking the, the wrath of God as mm. serious as we mm. should in a New Testament context. It's very insightful. Um, yeah. So, and it is interesting because I think that um, that that was something which kind of came up when I started dating M, that her reverence of God the Father was a lot more profound mm. than mine. And I think that that may have been part of it. I think that's probably also personality types, yeah. that I'm anti-authoritarian <laughs> and she is very much like follow the rules, yeah. like, yeah, to the T. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. C.S. Lewis said many of us don't want a heavenly father, but a grandfather. Mm. Because grandfathers traditionally, I guess when C.S. Lewis was writing, grandfathers tend to dot and fathers particularly like when he wrote were more like yeah. disciplinarians they're Absolutely. the ones that are giving the kids the cane and yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah go to your father and get in trouble For and sure. so yeah yeah that was i think there's an element of truth that for a lot of people is like you kind of want a buddy mm. rather than yeah, yeah. A, a father who yeah. loves and cares for you but also is holy and mm. yeah punishes sin yeah, mm. and yeah, I think I think that obviously in well, my thought is like both in an earthly father and a heavenly father is definitely that element of friendship there, mm. but it's not a peer. <laughs> yeah, well, it is a tension in scripture. Yeah, obviously it's Jesus, the the Son. He's saying like, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. Sure. And so yeah, there's this slight element of like, you're my you know friends if you follow my commands, mm. my disciples. But yeah. In the same breath, too, we see Jesus as in Revelation when John sees him. It's like, yeah, this is like the same Jesus that was there on that night. And he was betrayed and John's yeah. here on his face going, oh, I fell over as if I was dead. Mm. <laughs> the presence of Jesus. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that real tension of like, Jesus isn't my home dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> as we used to say at youth group in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. That, that hasn't yeah. aged at all. It has not <laughs> I used to write that in our like, Bibles, Jesus is my home dog, you know, <laughs> trying to be like, cool. Um, yeah, ultimately, God is Lord mm. and Saviour. But it's good. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's an interesting, yeah, father. I don't know. You've thought about it a lot more deeply than I have. I don't think I've ever really looked at a dad and gone, oh, that's like God. Like I kind of could separate. Mm. Like if there was a bad dad, I recognize that God. Yeah. Like God the Father is a different. Like it's meant to be, you know, like an earthly dad, but also he's very different. Yeah. So, yeah. If that makes sense. I yeah. kind of could separate. Like I could see, like, oh yeah, my dad's good dad, role model. But like I look at God and as father, I'm like, oh, it's different. Same, same, but different. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I think it sort of like warped my perception of what sort of like discipline actually is mm. motivated by. Mm. I don't know if I've ever shared this story before, but when I was at college doing my first degree, um, they were very on students about being on time to class because mm. you're not just sitting in a lecture, you're doing like workshops on the floor. You're like rehearsing scenes with people. Like if you're late, you're screwing up other people's experience yeah. as well. So there was one teacher who was so on my case about it. Like she was just like an absolute nightmare. And like, you know, if I was five minutes late, she was, literally would make me go around to every student in the class and apologize to them. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that I'm late. I'm sorry that I'm late. Like she was like, it was embarrassing. I feel like that would make you 
the class more late by you doing that. Well, yeah, I think she was more more interested in proving a point. Yeah, I think, okay. but uh, there was another teacher who was so chill. You could rock yeah. up like half an hour late and just be, hey man, like whatever. And it wasn't until later that I realized it was actually the teacher who was making my life a bit of a, I don't know, I want to say hell, but that's way too yeah, much yeah, of a problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, giving me grief at the time mm. for that, that actually almost cared more for me because mm. she wasn't caring so much about what I thought of her. She was caring about how I developed and mm. what I became. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like there can be actually more love in being disciplinary, yes. which is hard to understand sometimes in the moment. Yeah, so... What's his name? Jocko Willich. I think it's how you say it. He's mm. a former SAS type. Mm. Navy SEAL, that's it. Yeah, American yeah. Navy SEAL. And he ha- he has a motto, which discipline equals freedom. So, mm. so he's like this, you know, to be a Navy SEAL, you're a pretty insane sort of person. Sure. So that's his sort of big thing he talks on TED Talks and a lot of mm. his video is actually, you want to be freeing in life, being a disciplined person mm. gives you freedom. Mm. And certainly in many ways we've, God's like commandments mm. that similar way it's discipline but it equals freedom mm. um, yeah if you, uh, you know, cut the strings of a kite it flies away and mm. it's sort of good. It's, <laughs> no, it's good it's not a kite anymore it's a free flowing object that's going to mm. crash into the ground it's not serving its its function and I remember mm. similar um, same same story but different um, <laughs> when, uh, when we I was taking Asher the music therapy couple of years back and um the teacher there was very much oh let the kids do whatever they want mm-hmm. and it was a disaster mm-hmm. i was like girl give some structure yeah, like it was yeah, actually yeah, infuriating yeah. she goes oh whatever you want let the kid and so yeah. you got kids banging musical this was a and she's trying to bring order i was like well you can't get order because you've just said parents do whatever you want with the kids so mm. yeah it, there is a sometimes yeah not sometimes discipline is freedom yeah and, yeah 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 no, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I, I think that like one thing that your um, sort of study questions, mm. you, you in your last few kind of mm. talk about the the parable of well, how, how would you like to call this parable? Because oh. I'm actually reading this translation here. It says the parable of the lost son. The lost son, which then kind of goes into recognizing that it's related to the lost coin and the lost sheep, oh, which is interesting. Int- what, tra- what version is that? This is the NIV. It says the parable oh, the of the lost myth. sheep, the parable of the lost coin. It is the prodigal son is yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. it's famously known as, mm. but it's just interesting that in uh, this latest NIV translation, yeah. it says parable of the lost sheep, lost coin, and then lost son. So it kind of helps tie them together a yeah. bit, even by their titles. I'm going to look at what the yes. next version is, because that's the translation I've been using the most of late. The parable of the compassionate father. The that compassionate father. There you go. That ties, ties in, in really well. great. <laughs> Thank segment. you, Net Bible. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose I'd love to sort of, you know, mm. open up this parable yeah. and, yeah, I mean, even, I suppose, just the first question is, what is the purpose of the yeah, parable? So, what do you sort of see it so as? So you've got to go to Luke 15, verse 1. It yeah. says here, Now the tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear him, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Said so Jesus told him this parable. And he told him about the, the hundred sheep and the ninety-nine being yeah. lost. And then the parable of the coin. You know. yeah. And then, so the, the parable of the compassionate father or the prodigal son, yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah. Actually, it's it's speaking into those that thinking that they're self righteous. Mm-hmm. So the older son, it's actually having a dig at the older son, who's meant to represent those that are complaining about Jesus hanging out with the tax mm. collectors mm. and sinners. So 
essentially what the parable about God's mercy is there yeah for all yeah and what are you going to kind of do with that are you because both um because the father shames himself he shames himself by letting the son because essentially by saying I want my inheritance it's not just like oh hey dad you got half a million dollars in the bank account I want my 250,000 he's yeah. saying no I want you I wish you were dead yeah now sell your land and give me like that's what he had to would have had to have done sold off his assets his land yeah and then he squanders all that and so the fact that he does that, then he waits outside and runs, which is a very shameful act for Middle Eastern men to do. And he yeah. lifts up his, you know, his skirt yeah. and does all that. Like, it's very yeah. shameful in showing this love. And yeah. And then, to the older son shames him because he refuses to eat. So he's shamed. And he goes out and addresses the older son. So it's mm. sort of like he takes on, the father takes on the shame of both the, the sinner, the prodigal, mm. and the older son. The self-righteous yeah. sort of. You know. And so it's Jesus, not, he's not just saying, well, I'm not going to forgive you. It's saying, like, forgiveness is offered for both sure. of you. Both sure, camps. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both camps. Both prodigals who are the tax collectors and sinners. Yeah. And you who Pharisees and experts of the law that don't understand yeah. the grace and the gospel I'm about to offer you. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. here on offer for both. And sort of, yeah. what are you going to do with it? Yeah, I have heard that, um, like, it's sort of a bit hard for us to understand fully in a modern culture, but the way that the older son acts, like, the father would have been within his right to beat him. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's hard for us to understand, because, you, you, you know, and I think this is probably mm. highlights, you know, the point of the story in some ways, right? Because we can mm. probably empathise with the older brother. It's like, yeah. yeah, you should be ticked off, right? Yeah. Because um, that's how we would be. Sure. That's how we would respond. But that's moms. also Jesus's point. Yes. <laughs> like, that you shouldn't be like that. Like, you should be welcoming yeah. people into the kingdom. That You know, you should be, um, yeah, so, celebrating. And so like, T. Wright, with parables, he says that, think of them as like a story of Israel. Yeah. And so, look, sometimes that works for parables, maybe. And, and there's a good case here. It says, so this is verse 31. It says, then the father said to him, son, you have always with me and everything that belongs to me is yours. And so I see that as like a way of like Jesus in this saying like, hey, like you guys, like you're part of the promise of Abraham. Yeah, Yahweh yeah, yeah. has always been with you. Yeah, yeah. Now he's being revealed through me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still getting the promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just looking a bit different. Now it includes people that you wouldn't Other traditionally the party. <laughs> associate with. Yeah. So all the promises are there, guys. Mm. Join in. You should mm. be rejoicing that mm. the purpose of Abraham to you know bless the whole world is yeah. coming to fruition. Yeah. Potentially. It's good. That's good. Yeah, you know. Not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I suppose, who would you then see, like, the father mm. representing? In yeah. That? Um, it's a bit of a debate about that one. Because yeah. in some ways it's Jesus, but in some yeah. ways it's also, like, God the Father. So sure. I guess that's the thing with parables. It's Yeah. Parable can represent sort of multiple things. Cause clear, the power of the Yeah. Because yeah. like, yeah. clearly we see Jesus. He will shame himself on the cross. He will undergo... Tremendous shame, mm. and, you know, being naked and beaten and lost. Um, but anyway, so mm. yeah, that, that's and then, but also too, as the far like representing God the Father, we see the grace and mercy that is there of Him. Like yeah. God showed, like as it says in Exodus, He's compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, mm. and yeah. So I also see it as a two pronged image, but some people would say, no, nah, it's just Jesus or just the Father or 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit of both. Yeah, and I think that, like, that is sort of the... I don't, know, I don't want to say magic, but that is like the the value of the poetry of parables, right? That it mm. can be multifaceted. Yeah, it can take, and we can sort of, yeah. I mean, it is kind of funny because ultimately, um, as you sort of stated, the way that Luke starts that chapter, or I shouldn't say he starts that chapter, mm. but the way that that chapter starts is very much giving that framing that really like this story is for the Pharisees, yeah. for those who are already in the kingdom. Mm. Uh, and I think so often we think, well, because it's called the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son, mm. we go, well, that's who the story is about. And you're like, well, like, yes, but really he, like Jesus was trying to make the point about the older son, yeah, about how, you know, to be joyful of the new people who can come into <laughs> the, the father's banquet, yeah. right. And join at the table. Um, but I think one thing that's powerful about that parable is you can kind of put yourself in each position and mm -hmm. go, what, what does the truth about that character's experience yeah. like mean for me? What does mm -hmm. the truth about the father, the, you know, mm -hmm. the younger son, the older son? It's, it's interesting when I was doing stuff in Auburn with the refugees, one of the guys I was on the team with, he shared this parable with this Muslim guy. Kind of without context, just sort of said, oh, hey, let me tell you a story. And after he goes, oh, yeah, I'd be like that to my younger son. And, like, totally kind of missed the point of, like... Sure, like, yeah, he just how to be a good father. Have a good dad, rather than, um, mm. like... And so I found that really interesting. Interesting hearing non-Christians sort of view mm. on... I was like, I'd never really... I could see how, like, he interpreted it as, like, a way of mm. it's not. It's, it's not a bad takeaway. No, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's maybe not the point, it was point of it. And that's yeah. probably... yeah. Mm. And that's why it's, yeah, good. it's actually good with the NIV to actually link it all. It's like, yeah, it's the, cool, the, right? Like, so you kind of link up so you understand yeah. how each of them fit because, mm. you know, looking for that one sheep, that's what yeah. it's all about. Mm. You know, it's looking for that lost coin. That's the important part of this is like Jesus come here to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even so, it's only one person. Rejoice in that because yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm here to do. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And you kind of breach on this idea that, um, you know, Jesus is speaking to the people of Israel, right? Mm -hmm. The Jews. Um, and I suppose, like, what, 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 what do you kind of see as, like, this relationship that is depicted in the Bible of, like, God's relationship with Israel? Because I think that there's, like, this idea of almost dare I say, like, God is an adoptive father to the Gentiles a little bit in a way, you know? Like, there's kind of like, hey, like, welcome to the, you know, family at a later point. You're sort of a new addition. Mm. Uh, you've, you're grafted on, you know? But there's something that, you know, mm. is, is deeply embedded in Israel's history, in their lineage, that God has been their father since the very mm. beginning, which I think has, has an extra depth to it. Um, and there's something to sort of plumb there. Um, I know there's sort of a lot of passages that you've um, um, put down here, yeah. but, but what, what's what's one that you sort of think uh, um, helps encapsulate that depiction a bit of God as Father, and in particularly in His relationship mm, with the Israelites? I'm just pulling it up now. Um, yeah, you get there. Exodus, 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 chapter four, verse twenty-one. Um, let me just scroll down. Where are you? Oh, here we go. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the wonders I have put under your control. 
But I will harden his heart, and he will not let the people go. You must say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn. Mm. And I said to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But since you have refused to let him go, I will surely kill your son, your firstborn. Mm. I think that is a great... <clears throat> oh, let's unpack a bit of biblical theology, because it's banter. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Yahweh depicts Israel as his son. It's one mm. of the many metaphors. Like mm. Sometimes Israel is a bride, he's the husband, but this case yeah. he's predicted. It's the nation of Israel is like projected as a firstborn son. Mm. And so... And it's hinted there, like, what's going to happen at the end. Like, hey, you've, like, captured my firstborn son. Yeah. So I'm going to do the I'm going to kill your firstborn son. And yeah. Firstborn in the ancient world was just... It's everything. You yeah, inherited yeah, yeah. a double portion. It yep. kept the family name going. Like, it was yeah. a disaster yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, to yeah, lose yeah, your yeah. firstborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when we get to the Passover, and obviously the lamb blood being smeared over the doorposts, mm. and the Israelite firstborn being saved, mm. it's... Yahweh demands like a ransom. He goes, hey, all the firstborn mm. belong to me now. But yeah. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give up a tribe, the tribe of Levi. They're going to yeah. become my firstborn, in inverted commas. They're the yeah. ones that are going to serve me. Yeah. And But at the same time, too, while you've got <clears throat> Levi, the tribe doing that role, mm. all of Israel is meant to be that role. Like firstborn, have sure. that special yeah. role. Yeah. And that... But, but the other thing, too, is which is interesting about... Uh, Take me too long to find the actual verse, but um, yeah, when the Israelites leave, it also mentions that a bunch of foreigners went with them, mm. including Egyptians. So mm. there's this quite interesting how the Old Testament depicts what is an Israelite. It's, yeah, well, because Abraham's Babylonian, he's mm. from Mesopotamia, mm. and he's not allowed to marry. Well, you know, um, shouldn't say Abraham. Isaac's not allowed to marry a Canaanite, mm. and then Jacob goes back and marries, you know, Leah. Uh, Leah and Rachel, mm-hmm. which are also Mesopotamian. From, mm-hmm. But then we get Judah, who mm. sleeps with Tamar. Mm. <laughs> She's a Canaanite. Mm. You get Joseph, who has an Egyptian wife. And mm. so you kind of got this like mm. crossbreeding of yeah, yeah, Israelites. Yeah. And, and, and not necessarily like a, seen as like an issue. Yeah, and even Moses himself. Yeah. Like a little few verses before that. Yeah, his wife, Zipporah. Yeah, she saves his life. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, cut, yeah cut in a pretty gross skin. way, right? Yeah, yeah. Like a bloody foreskin yeah, on his Yeah, feet, you know, oh. it's like, uh, she saves his life. Like, yeah. it's, um, it's like someone's actually, I was reading a book about the Exodus, said it's like the second time Moses is saved by a woman. Like, Moses' oh, yeah. life is, um, yeah, he's kind of rolls around being saved by women. Like, mm. he's saved by Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah. And then here, like, he's... Yeah, and foreign good. women, both yeah. times as well. Yeah, Egyptian so woman and a... Midianite woman. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. So, Moabite. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I think I was to say, what is an Israelite? It's one that follows Yahweh's commands. Mm, so, and then even the whole conquest of Canaanites. That's another interesting one. Rahab mm. is saved. Um, mm. I've had a mind blank. Um, not Laban. What's his name? Um, Achan. Achan mm. is killed from the mm. tribe of Jericho. So, mm. yeah, I, like that's... See some of that relationship there is is as in the ancient world the the household was look at this patriarchy patriarchy mm. I like that word better Daniel Block is mm. Old Testament commentator he doesn't like the word patriarchy because of the negativity because mm. it patriarchy mm. it was the reality was that yeah. the father was the head of the house but yeah, yeah. it was intended he argues to be a rule like gods 
Yeah. Like each household was meant to be like, well, God is our father, mm. but he's like a loving, just God that's slow sure. to anger, compassionate. And that's how fathers are meant to be. And so, and he would argue that there are times where we see men treating women poorly is like a, essentially like an attack on men treating women poorly. So Abraham pretending that Sarah's his mm. sister and mm. going, oh, just join Pharaoh's harem so I don't die. Like mm-hmm. he goes, yeah, it's bad. That's not like something to be lifted up. <clears throat> mm. Like the intention of like the, the father as the head of the house was to protect his household, was to have this, because it wasn't just husband, wife, kids. It was probably grandfather, father, sons, uncles. Mm-hmm. Like it was mm-hmm. a whole family tree. And so that was the role of the head of the house was to mm. ensure that this family was protected, was well fed, was cared for, mm. that you know, daughters were safe. It was, <clears throat> that's the intention. Mm. Was that it was meant to, in a snapshot, reflect God the Father's love for the nation of Israel, his firstborn son. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. And then how does that flow on for us as mm. like children of God, as it would mm. say in, in John 1? Yeah. <clears throat> for us, that like, I guess for us, it's that sense of, um, well, Jesus said that, <clears throat> as he said, you know, you're not my servants, that you're my friends. Mm. And in a way too, children are the ones that inherit like they have an inheritance, like from parents, especially yeah. in the, like the Old Testament. Yeah, sure, the firstborn got the most, but all the mm. sons and daughters were mm. eligible for some sort of inheritance. And that's part of it there, like in John, he's talking about we become children of God. We're part of this family mm. that God has intended from the beginning, mm. that we're not aliens and outsiders, but part of him. And, that, and that's what Jesus has come to do. Paul talks about Jesus breaking the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile in Ephesians mm. there. And it's like, hey, no, you're like one humanity mm. in Jesus. There's no Jew or Greek. Mm. It's Galatians language. Mm. Yeah, slave or free. And he's not saying that suddenly gender ceased to exist, but he's saying the status amongst the Christians, not that, because mm. it was that the perception in the ancient world was men were superior to women. Yeah, Obviously, sure. masters are more superior to slaves. Yeah, yeah. And Jews, Jews thought that they were better yeah, than Gentiles. Gentiles yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. You're all one yeah, yeah, yeah. in Jesus. It's good. It's That's good. part of being. So good. Hmm. So good. Um, I want to quickly shift gears for a second. Um, Keith kind of shared something mm. very interesting, which is a bit of an expansion on, on what he was saying. Mm. But he was talking about this idea that uh, I think he quoted Proverbs 2.15, the tongue yes. of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Mm. Now, obviously, like we don't want to be setting ourselves up, whether we're discipling somebody, whether we're father or maternal figures mm. or whatever it is, we don't want to be setting ourselves up as a flawless um, you know, sort of mirage of what we actually are, right? We mm. want to be honest with the fact that we are also broken and that we need Jesus just as much mm. as anyone else. How does one strike the balance of being transparent about yeah. that, but also not gushing folly from our mouth? How do we sort of, you know, maybe from a fatherly yeah. point of view, uh, from a discipling point of view, how, yeah, do we sort of find that balance? Of yeah. saying, "Hey, I'm not perfect, but also hmm. let's let's not maybe uh, let that gush forth from my mouth." Yeah, huh. that's a great question. I need to reflect on that. There you go. That can be f- f- first part of my answer. Acknowledge when you don't know something. Yeah, it's good. I think that's yeah, nothing worse than just 
pretending like you know something and you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, like I'll just go from a father's perspective. I think it's easier like if you're a dad. Like if the when my kids are older to be yeah. quite a lot more like oh, I don't know that kids. I'm not perfect. Yeah. That's a lot easier because you're sort of living with each other. You can sure. be that more vulnerable. Sure. Yeah. When you're discipling someone, um, yeah, it's a. It's, I was reading something about like accountability groups. Some of the dangers of accountability groups can be that it just becomes almost like you just condone bad behavior. Mm, you say, enable each other. Yeah, enable each other. You're like, oh, I struggle. Oh, yes, it's really hard. Just try better. And you sort of just become. Sure. So it is that going, hey, this is something that, let's just take an accountability group, for example. Hey, this is something, alcohol, sex, or whatever it is, I struggle with. Mm. Like that's, part of that needs to be transparent, but also to holding a sense of, well, this is what you agreed to do mm. and there are consequences. Yeah. Um, it's actually max potential. They had, with the goals that we had to set with the year 11 students, mm. there was a little like mantra they had with the goals. It's like, what's the pleasure for achieving this goal? And say, okay, mm. if it was, oh, like a lot of students, because on year 11, they wanted to do well on HSC. It's like, so I want to study for 10 hours a day or something, you know. Sure. I don't know, I don't think I had anyone say it, but let's just sure. go with that. I'm gonna yeah, study yeah, for ten yeah. hours a day or something. Okay, what's the, the the pleasure in that? Well, then you know I've got all this knowledge. I'm gonna do well on my test. Yada yada yada. Sure. What's the pain if you don't follow through? Mm. And I had to actually come up with like some sort of punishment. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Which you know it was interesting because it's easy to say, oh, this is what I want to do," mm. and then when yeah, crunch comes. It's like, uh, sure. Uh, yeah, that's harder. So, and not just recognizing the consequence, but actually mm. then enforcing some yeah. sort of extra consequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so, I think that's like part of that discipling. So, I guess it too, it all depends on the context. Coaching was a lot easier because you actually like mm. either paying someone or you've signed up for a program to say, I want to improve myself over sure. these weeks, and so here's what I've got to do. But it could be something similar, like mentoring someone. Say, like, hey, like you said, you're going to read five chapters of the Bible a week and you haven't done that. Like, mm. There needs to be some sort of pay 50 bucks to <laughs> this or... Hit to the Bible society. You know, like, <laughs> like, just something like that. So otherwise mm. it just becomes meaningless and you're not going to follow through. And it's kind of like we said earlier about your dad. Mm. When you threaten punishment, don't follow through. You're like, mm. Mm. Eh, I just can run away and no, dad's not going to do anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. But, I, but it is a, yeah, I guess a tricky balance. Easier when you're a parent. Well, I find parenting in Western society, at least, because those expectations are not... Because, sure. yeah, sure, parents are in charge, but it's not like a more like traditional Middle Eastern culture where, like, fathers are here and sons are here and there's sure, a bit sure, of a sure. gap between that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, certainly that... Yeah, there's times where I've shared with other young men some of my past struggles and they're like, oh, okay, cool, it's not just me. So there's times that's really helpful. Sure. People can resonate with that, but also yeah. too, it's like, well, we need to move beyond this. Like yeah. with Jesus with the woman caught in adultery. He forgave her, but he didn't go, yeah, okay, yeah. just, he didn't say, all right. Leave I, your life of sin. Yeah, and, you know, it's yeah. not just keep shacking up with guys. It's like, yeah. well, you need to like change. Yeah. yeah. I think like that's for me, like something which I've found really powerful when I've shared a struggle mm. that through um, my desire to no longer be shackled by that Mm. and the power of the Holy Spirit Mm. um, have been able to come out the other side. I think Mm. that when we kind of can share um, a wound that's maybe healed, 
Um, I know, you know, I'm probably going a bit against the uh, methodology of someone like an Henri Nouwen, who would say be a mm. wounded healer. Yes. You know, um, although he, I think he was probably more talking about trauma mm. rather than um, like addiction, addiction yeah. or, you know, a personal flaw. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I think if you can share that you've gotten through the other side of something, that's a helpful folly to share that yeah. hey that th- this is more a story and hey you can likewise if i can do it you can too yeah. i think that can be a helpful time but yeah I, I i think it can start to be a bit discouraging mm. when at times people are a bit too real in in certain like relational yeah. dynamics i don't know yeah. though like maybe that's just my yeah i think it's yeah well let's take Look, no, pastoring is not really a valued profession here in Australia. But I'll say in America, like, it, sure. yeah, certainly was, probably still is to an extent. And yeah. there was this almost pedestal yeah. of pastors and this expectation. And so, yeah, when it all comes crashing down, people are left like, Ugh, like mm. horrified. So it has been a bit of a culture, I've noticed, in some pastors, in the States at least, to be mm. like quite open about their struggles on things. And yeah. so I tend to find millennials love that. Yeah, older generation, not so much. Mm. I think it's just, yeah, I guess it's part of like what you value, or what, like what you want from someone, like yeah. what you want from a leader or a pastor or someone you respect. Like how open. Yeah. And... Do you more value holiness or mm. uh, transparency and relatability? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky one. I know that um, Tim Keller, kind of, who I feel like every time I, I, I bring up his book about preaching, you're like, ah. Ah, no, no. <laughs> I quite like it. It's a good book. But he does, he does sort of make the point that, um, I'm going to not say it nearly as eloquently mm. as him, but it's gross when people overshare from the pulpit about yeah. their personal struggles. Mm. Um, but I think that he comes out of obviously a Presbyterian background yeah. and, and tradition. And I think that maybe they go a bit too far one way in not having yeah. any transparency and relatability and, yeah. and realness. Um, yeah, th- I think there is that tension there. Right. And I think that's, so. that, that's the wisdom in that proverb yeah. that, you know, there's, there's look, both sides of it. Yeah. I look, I think like kind of honing back into like being a father, <laughs> I remember when I was at Lidcombe and the pastor of the Burmese church there, we used to catch up weekly to pray together and he had eight kids. Wow. Yeah, no, incredible. Um, I don't know how he managed it, but a couple of his kids are pretty wild, like pretty, pretty loose cannons. Mm. And he just was, he just couldn't understand why they would listen to him. I had to explain like in Australia, mm. you had to earn respect. Yeah. I think it's, I was like, you just, it's not like back in Burma where you're just dad and therefore you're automatically granted respect based on your title. You had to earn it. And it just was like this mind-blowing paradigm he just never understood. And mm. it, I think it changed his life. And <laughs> probably how he parented his kids. He actually wow. had to invest. I said, mate, you gotta invest in your kids. That's why. I was like, yeah, they're here like on Sunday all the time, every church event. Because those type of churches run like it's, that's your lifestyle is just church. Everything mm. is rolls, rolls around church and culture. And so, yeah, I think for him that was, yeah, hopefully life transforming and build a relationship with his son. Sure it was. So um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, as part of that, like as a parent, certainly you don't want to just be your BFFF with your kids. Like there mm. has to be. But to being able to 
journey with kids. And I think of like the times where I've had to apologise to Ash. I don't think he quite gets it. He's probably still a bit yeah, young. Well, I've still sure. gone out of my way and said, hey, mate, look, I'm sorry for yelling at you. Like, mm. I yelled at you because I was frustrated at this and I'm sorry. Yeah. And look, I don't know if he quite gets it. He's probably a bit young. But it makes me feel better. And like, you know, there's times where you need to be... Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerable. Recognise mistakes, but also mm. to have that. Mm. I, I suppose, too, that's part of the journey of parenting. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah you're growing up, up too. <laughs> yeah, well, look, no one gives you a manual. Yeah. Like, you can read books. You didn't get the manual? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know, I read books, but yeah. geez, it's not the same when you're yeah, in yeah, the thick yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, totally. And so, mm. yeah, that's why, that's why the book of Proverbs is helpful. Mm. Bit of wisdom. Listen, listen to your father's wisdom and your mother's yeah. advice uh, or mother's instruction. Mm. Um, I um, wanted to sort of wrap up um, by a sort of idea that Keith left us with in 1 Thessalonians 3.11. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. And mm. he... Um, it's really interesting. Yeah. Interesting passage. Yeah. And and he sort of suggested the idea that as fathers and, you know, people in our positions of influence, mm-hmm. we can clear the way for children to grow up into adulthood and mm-hmm. into loving God. Uh, and we do that by sharing our experience and life with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What are your sort of closing thoughts on that idea of clearing the way and how we can clear a way for both our children and, and yeah. people who we're sort of mentoring, discipling mm. um, to love God and to, yeah. And to, I guess the obvious ones, not to be a stumbling block for people yeah. to follow Jesus. Um, mm. I'll quote from Keller again. We're talking about contextualizing the gospel, mm. saying the gospel that's offensive in and of itself, don't make it more offensive by putting on cultural hindrances that are going to put people mm. aside. Mm. So what's that interesting? Because particularly thinking from a missions perspective, sure. like if you're going to a Muslim background country or a um, you know, Buddhist majority, yeah. you don't want to present Jesus in a way that's going to automatically like... Mm. Like so, yeah, classic examples like a cross. Muslims find the cross quite offensive because they think of the Crusades. That's what their, their, their sword is. Um, yeah. And so, like, he was st- sort of contextualization, particularly for, like, Westerners removing the Western elements of Christianity. Yeah. So, look, the, the classic would be, I can't think of a better example, but classic would be those old sort of 18th century missionaries that would go into, like, say, China. Yeah. And be like, well, to be a Christian, you have to, like, wear a tie and mm-hmm. speak English and mm-hmm. basically become a Westerner. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not a Christian. And so, a lot of, like, so where Hudson Taylor was in China, it's like they're a lot of Chinese like, no way, I'm not doing this. But Hudson Taylor like broke the mold. He goes, he would yeah. he grew his hair in the yeah. ponytail like the locals, yeah. dyed his hair black. It like yeah. nearly killed his hair, but for him that was important. <laughs> yeah. He dressed like the locals. He yeah. spoke the language. And I'm yeah, like, Oh yeah. okay, here's a guy that's making an effort. Yeah, yeah. yeah presenting yeah. a Jesus which yeah, yeah, is yeah. yeah, okay, I I'll listen to this. So he yeah. didn't ruined the gospel he just took away this element of it which made it unattractive yeah. to people and so i suppose in clearing the way it's presenting jesus in a way that you're not being the stumbling block mm. and so particularly as a dad and let's just make up an example here like if you're a very 
dogmatic. Oh, this is what you must do, or you know, and become quite oppressive on. Mm. Which I can think of a real life example of this. They, yeah, this daddy he passed away, but very very strict on his kids. Like mm. Indian background used to like hit his girls even when they didn't do something wrong. Like if they made a mistake, he'd hit them because that's what he was used to doing. Yeah. Like kids want nothing to do with Christianity at all. Cause it's like, oh, if this is dad's religion, I don't want anything to do with that. Sure. Or, or the flip side is kind of be like false about it i think i used this example yeah. in church once about you know the parents fighting on yeah. the way to church and then get there and put on the happy face and then just re. so yeah. you're just basically saying okay christianity is a sunday morning thing sure not a life so um, i'd say that as like not being a hindrance mm. to the gospel mm. easier said than done <laughs> yeah check this passes man PKs only go one or two ways in my experience. Either they love mm. the Lord or they mm. grow to despise and hate church. So I'm yes. acutely aware of that. Yes. Like, I want to actually, were you at Mike Robinson's funeral? Yeah. He was a former pastor yeah. here. And um, one of his sons shared, he was in his rebellious. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. It really yeah. resonated with me. He yeah. said when he was a teenager, he was playing this like, I don't know what it was, some rock song. It's like Metallica or Slipknot or something. Trying to yeah. trying to get under his dad's skin and he's just yeah. like, oh, that's an interesting choice. The song and just walked off and it just really diffused the situation rather than going, turn that satanic rubbish off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think How he said interesting lyrics. Yeah, and I was like, that's a really godly way of handling it. And so just yeah. diffuse the, okay, well, what, yeah, trying to obviously yeah. get a response from dad and dad's yeah. like, oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, not being a not being a block, not mm. clearing the way. So it's a good challenge. I think a good challenge for all of us as we kind of go out into this week, just how mm. to, yeah, present Jesus in a way that um, isn't sort of limited, uh, but is yeah all encompassing, all inclusive of mm. people instead of yeah sort of making it an unattractive and offensive mm. <laughs> it's a good challenge mm. good challenge right. well we um uh back into our pruning series this week yeah. and uh we have the pleasure of sitting under the teaching of brian yeah. this weekend what is uh brian pruning finances all right very so, cool very cool i have to touch base with him about how that's gonna yeah what he's aimed for this because i'm not in on mondays and he's here so yeah have no. a chance to I think uh, one thing that he was, was sharing with mm. me is the, the challenge that it is, that mm. obviously there's a um, diverse group of people at our church who are at different stages of life, mm. whether it's people who are retired, mm. um, people who are you know, thinking about that stage of going into retirement with super and everything, whether it's people who have uh, kids who are increasingly uh, demanding of your Mm. financial resources, whether it's young couples who are saving for, you know, a house or whatever it is. So I think that uh, he's trying to think how it can be something that can be applied to people at all stages of life. Because it does, it was something that I haven't really thought about. It changes so much as you go through different stages of life how to interact with mm. your finances and stuff. Yeah. So I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing from his accounting expertise. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, was, I was hoping maybe you could help me with my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Pruning your taxes. Yeah, that's, it. Tax that's it. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, definitely subscribe <laughs> to that sermon series. Awesome. Yeah. So good. Well, as always, thank right. you for the chat. Thank Thanks, you for Martha. the wisdom. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys yeah. on Sunday. See you then. 
Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.